Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today in history, in 1160, Emperor Frederick Barbosa hurdles prisoners, including children, at the Italian city of Crema, forcing its surrender. Welcome to What the Fuck History, where we discuss the wackiest and weirdest things that make us say, well, what the fuck history. I am your interment specialist this evening, Zachary, and we will be partying hard from six feet under. My name is Megan, and tonight I'm going to take you on a national treasure type adventure. Call me Nicolas Cage and buckle in. And I'm Matt. Today I learned that the Bible has no mention of domesticated cats. That fact alone made me add it to my do not read list. <laughs> yeah. That's a good reason. I mean, like, so, uh, fun fact about me. In high school, uh, I had a class called Catechism. And you thought it was about cats? Is, well, I thought it was about cats. And then I was sadly, uh, I was sadly disappointed when I realized it wasn't. Um, and then I realized it was about just reading the Bible, which was super fun. But then they made us read and summarize every single paragraph in Acts of the Apostles. That sounds like uh, what I went through because I did seven years of Catholic school. Woo! Yeah, so I you, love that you, you know say exactly. Did seven years of Catholic school, like, <laughs> like it was time, like, it like was hard prison. time. Um, it was like it was prison. <laughs> it was hard time. I served my nickel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then. And then Paramore's Hard Time starts playing in the background as we watch Zach's montage. I did my waiting. Five years of it. In Catholic school. In Catholic school. school. Yeah, I was going to say. In Catholic school. There's a reason that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm no longer emo. I graduated because I grew up, you know, you become emo and then you just become noir. Uh (laughs) Oh, is that what, is that the evolution? I'm I'm pretty sure that's how it goes. I met yeah. Uh, I met our esteemed Zachary when he was just a babe mm. in uh, in high school. I remember his uh, his cute little face and his head full of curls and really skinny jeans <laughs> and his really skinny jeans. Ugh. Oh, amen, brother. But now it's all suits and bourbon. I don't know. <laughs> suits now and it's really all, skinny jeans it's all suits and long um stairs in the rain yeah. <laughs> and talking about women and only calling them dames because it's you know, oh yeah uh, a dame walked I, in I and she had them. legs like legs she, she was a tall days. glass of water she was a tall glass of water <laughs> Legs oh. as long as the Vegas shirt. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. We haven't even gotten into it. We're already going to name the episode. No, legs we're, as long we're as just, as, we're as long just as fucking around. Oh. All right, folks. Megan and I are starting the podcast with the with zero strikes, but because of some pregame shenanigans, Zach is starting with one strike. He uttered some yeah. forbidden incantations, which just required a strike to be given. 
But it's our true. game of rock, paper, scissors has been played, and the order for tonight is Megan, then Zach, then me, bringing up the rear. It's me. I regret Strong. nothing. Strong. Uh, you, I mean, honestly, you should embrace your strikes yes. sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> they're unthinkable. It's like a... Sometimes they're shameful. Sometimes they are shameful. It's like a game of chess. Sometimes you have to sacrifice a pawn. Sometimes you have to utter the horrible incantations and sacrifice a strike before things even kick off. (laughs) And the most important thing to know is that we will never utter the incantations that Zach uttered because the listeners don't deserve that. I mean, we could. I'd just bleep it out in editing. (laughs) Exactly. Editing Zach would be like, no one needs to hear this. (laughs) No one should hear this. Nobody. This is too... Too much for virgin ears. Recording Zach is not of sound mind and body. However, editing Zach is definitely of sound mind and body and would spare everyone the <laughs> terribleness. He has to be, dude. He has to be so organized. We require him to be a little bit more of sound mind and body. I have to sober up a little bit. <laughs> All right, Megan, do you want to kick us off? I do want to kick us off. Can you start with story... the inaugural reading of the name of the notes? Yes. The the name of my story is. tonight is National Treasure, low-key real question mark? <laughs> uh, so we're going to steal the Declaration of Independence. Yes. Um, and, and like my introduction said, I will be your Nicolas Cage tonight as I tell you about my story. You're a little bit more attractive than him, but go off, sis. Oh, you thank, you, thank you. Thank um, <laughs> you. What? I really... I feel bad because moments ago I said that she was just a little bit more attractive than Nicholas Cage. I, I was willing to take it because, like, he was weird and moonstruck with Cher. I'll say like, that you're a little bit more bad. attractive than Con Air, Nicholas Cage. I'm, I'm sorry, that those scene of, That scene of him with his hair flowing in the breeze yes. cannot be beaten. No. I mean, he has his moments, so I'll I'll take the compliment where it falls. <laughs> so now that we've determined my attractiveness on a scale of Nicolas Cage to Nicolas Cage, our story begins in 1885 with the publication of a pamphlet called The Beale Papers. Uh, in the course of this Um, was a story detailing the account of an American named Joseph J. Beale in the early 1800s who had obtained a treasure, hmm, Mm. eyebrows, eyebrows, from a mine. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what eyebrows, eyebrows is, but I like it as a a saying. The eyebrows waggle, and you can't see it because this is not a visual medium, but eyebrows, eyebrows, and I understand what you mean. I mean, like, yeah, Yeah. no, I feel that, okay. Like, you can hear my eyebrows going up and down. Yeah, as soon as you described it, they I, make an audible I could see it in my, yeah, I could see it in my yeah. mind prism. You're like, wow, that, I get it. Uh, so it, it describes him obtaining a treasure from a mine to the north of New Mexico. Uh, according to the pamphlet, Beale was the leader of a group of 30 men. Adventurers, if you will. If you will um, I will not. I refuse to. He has not earned well, the title. I was going to say, it is yet to be determined if they are adventurers or not. Tell me tell me what this treasure was, and I'll tell you if they were adventurers. I'd like to know how much D&D Joseph Beale played. None at all. If he, 
Yeah, if he didn't play D&D, is he really an adventurer? <laughs> when did the, where, remind me when this happened? Uh, this was in the early 1800s. Yeah, so Gary Gygax hadn't even been invented yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I'd, I'd like to think, based on the findings of D20s in ancient Egypt, that they were playing, like, real Dungeons like and Dragons. Like, rudimentary Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> yeah, dude, like... Someone fucking... Like, in Egypt is just like, so you come upon a sphinx, and she has riddles for you. It's like, I <laughs> roll ends. to solve the riddle. <laughs> and they're like, wrong, you can't solve uh, the sphinx's wrong. riddles, they're gods. Wrong, we you in public. <laughs> <laughs> D&D, that has real-life consequences. Anyway. Oh... Uh, <laughs> They were adventurers from the great state of Virginia who stumbled upon a gold and silver mine. Ah, um, mm, that's Yeah, treasure. you know, just cute 19th century things. It's Jeff Bezos' <laughs> gold hoard. Dude, I hate him. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even fucking started. You need to tell us more about this story. I hate him so much. Uh, so, they come across this mine filled with gold and riches, and it's just, like, stuff that you could do back in the 19th century, right? Where you could just, like, go around, find random treasure. It was the fuck-around centuries. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the fuck-around centuries for them, and we're in the (laughs) find-out. Yeah, like, I'm not mad about it, but I'm a little mad. That we didn't get to so experience they, the fuck around? I'm just saying that, like, I can't go to a random place and say, all right, lads, grab your pickaxes. We'll just start onto that mountain and see what we find. I mean, you re- you could, though. What's stopping us? Yeah, but, like, private property ownership, I think, a lot of the times. Uh, uh, nah. I'm not about to get shot by some hillbilly in Virginia. No offense, Virginia. No, but a no little offense, bit of offense, Virginia. Virginia. Okay, so they spent 18 months mining thousands of pounds of precious metals, which Beale then transported um, back to Virginia and buried in an undisclosed location. Oh. And after his treasure was secure, he created three encrypted messages that contained the location a description of the treasure, and the names of its owners and the relatives of those people that he bequeathed it to. Okay, I'm liking where this is going. Yeah, it's really cool, right? Um, They were in the form of ciphertexts that he then placed in an iron box and locked. And in 1822, he gave the box to an innkeeper in Lynchburg, which is kind of a sus name, but I guess it's Virginia. Um, and told him not to open the box unless he or one of his men failed to return for it within 10 years. And a few months later, um, he, Beale, sent this innkeeper a message promising that one of his friends would mail him the key soon. But the key never arrived. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Intrigue. The, I know, I'm so, I was so intrigued when I was reading this. Uh, the innkeeper waited until 1845 to open the box. What a I know, I couldn't. I would never. <laughs> Imagine being faced with that every day. <laughs> I Imagine every day waking up, seeing a box, knowing that you have the key to open it, and going, No, 
I must keep my word. So I assume, because he didn't have the key, like someone was going to mail him the key, yeah, right? Or like, show up with a key. You have the key. I assume he key. broke it. It's a fucking box. You have the key. The it's key, called the key dynamite. key is literally any heavy object. <laughs> I know. I know. Or a second I guess, story window. I guess, like, truthfully, I shouldn't have said that he had the key. I should have said that he had the power to open it. Yeah. <laughs> he had the... I have the power. I have the power! I mean, he did, because eventually he opened yeah. it. Um, yeah, And inside, course. he found the two plain text letters from Beale saying what they what was in the box uh-huh. and the three cipher texts labeled one, two, and three. What's in the box? Um, an unsolvable riddle. Cause he couldn't solve the ciphers. Okay. <laughs> Which is really sad, dude. Uh, and decades later, he left the box and its contents to one of his random friends. <laughs> Cause he was like, I can't do anything with this. I'm like, my family can't. So like, here you go. Dang and then dude. the friends started to like beautiful mind Nicolas Cage and National Treasure. This shit. <laughs> beautiful mind uh, and Nicolas Cage. Well, because he was just like, all right, what what could this possibly base be based off of? And he used a second edition of the Declaration of Independence as the key and successfully deciphered the second cipher text, oh but he couldn't solve one and three. Oh my god! Okay, I know. This yeah. is nuts. This wait, is wait, 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 wait. Can I make a guess? Okay, go ahead. Because if the first one is the Declaration of Independence, then part of it has... So the second one could be solved with the Declaration. With the Declaration. The second cipher. Oh, so the second yeah. cipher is the Declaration, so, which means yeah. that the first so, cipher was the Bill of Rights. Stop. Oh, my God. Which means that the third cipher was the Beeble. No, it's the Articles uh, of Confederation. Oh, okay. God, Matt. I'm sorry. I'm no, that's dead. that was my guess. I was like, he, this dude's going to literally like throw the Articles of Confederation in someone's face and be like, you forgot about this document, bitch. You forgot about this Bet document. Bet you didn't know this yeah. existed, fucking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that's how kind of like National Treasure reads, though. It's just like, oh, you didn't know about this... Um, prized american no i need document. you to understand that it's not national treasure that reads that way it is nick cage <laughs> in okay, that right. like anytime nicholas cage is talking to his assistant in that movie it's like you fucking idiot you didn't know this yeah you didn't you didn't know about the letters and then, that... and then this guy's just <laughs> like yeah no that's super obvious and he like breaks the fourth wall by rolling his eyes at the camera to like <laughs> the audience clapping <laughs> So anyways, tell us about the rest of these ciphers. So eventually, this random friend, after he solved Cipher 2, made the text public in a pamphlet called The Beale Papers in 1885. So I'm sure you're wondering what the cipher text of 2 said. So I'm just going to, like, give you the full description of it because it's kind of interesting. Sure. Um, I have deposited in the county of Bedford about four miles from Buford's in an excavation or vault six feet below the surface of the ground, the following articles belonging jointly to the parties whose names are given in number three herewith. The first deposit consists of 1014 pounds of gold and 3812 pounds of silver deposited November 1819. 
The second was made December 1821 and consisted of 1,907 pounds of gold and 1,288 of silver. Also, jewels, less important. Um, obtained in St. Louis that, but in exchange okay. to save. I mean, he doesn't really seem jazzed about the jewels, but like, whatever. He's like, I love, whatever. I absolutely love that flex. It's like, I put 10,000 pounds of gold somewhere. Oh, and also some diamonds. Yeah, whatever. Um, so they were they were obtained in St. Louis in exchange to save transportation and valued at thirteen thousand dollars. Did you now on to I I did. Okay. I, I did appreciate you for doing I, that. I yeah. So uh in today's monies, this treasure weighs about three tons. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. In precious metals and jewels. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So the gold in today's money is worth $47 million alone. Oh, girl. Okay. The silver, $1.1 million. Yeah. And that's... the jewels, which are less important. Yeah, of course. Two hundred and fifty k. dollars Only one hundred and fifty k. I mean, I I'll take just the jewels. I don't mind. I can see why they're less important now. Yeah, they're less important. The gold, $47 million, though. I'd take that. I would take that. Three tons of gold? Hell yeah. Fuck three cents of gold. Hell yeah. Again, I would take just the jewels. I think 150k sounds okay right now. Two, you had said it was and 200 or 250 250 Oh, even better. That's 100 more than I originally even thought. Even better, dude. Uh, it's 100 more thousand. 100 more thousand. Fuck. Listen, that's one college student's loans. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're one of those special college students that got you know, daddy to donate a wing to the college. Oh, yeah. I, I'm i not one of those. I'm not I am also those. not one of those, but I can't imagine that donating a building to a college like UMass Lowell would even cost that much. That's true. It's Lowell, At most, uh, UMass Lowell's um, buildings cost, like, they cost $3 in the 80s yeah, if yeah, you've yeah, ever yeah, seen yeah. them. <laughs> Um, to Marty Meehan, I am calling you out. If you did condone the brutalist architecture on South Campus, why? I also, um, I'm pretty sure that whatever the fuck the... There's one building there that's just a cardboard box. <laughs> I'm almost certain of it. I'm so certain. But while we figure that out, um, let me tell you the end of this story to wrap it up. Sure. Okay. And it's disappointing. Oh, I'm sorry, no. guys. Yeah, because there are theories that this is a hoax. No. <gasps> no. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. A 19th century beautiful mind national treasure hoax. <gasps> um, because it's based on some implausibilities. Number one, the two other ciphertexts that couldn't be solved are pretty much illegible, leading to cryptographers to speculate that they don't have translations. In other words, they're nonsense because they, like, even if you find, like, plausible documents that could match up, they have no rhyme or reason. It could be that we're just idiots, but, like... It could be that there's no rhyme or reason. A lot of... It could be that there's no rhyme or reason. Uh, Two, why would Beale write three separate ciphers when it seems as though he wants people to get the money? Remember, number three does list out the people that he wants to inherit his treasure after 10 years. Uh-huh. Three, the writing of the pamphlet that was published in Beale's alleged letters suggests that they were written by the same person. 
uh, they have the same handwriting and they have the same um, use of language. Uh, number four, it is sus that the only cipher decoded is the one talking about the price of the treasure and was thought to increase the sale of the pamphlet itself, which was 50 cents at the time, which is a really high price in 1885. Yeah, no shit. Uh, yeah, dude. 50 I can't whole even cents afford 50 whole cents now. I know, dude. And it's 2022. 50 cents is like nothing. Uh, so this hasn't stopped treasure hunters from trying to crack the code and mounting attempts to find it in Bedford County, Virginia. Mm -hmm. My favorite story was of a dig that happened in the 1980s when the people were looking for treasure but only found, like, Civil War artifacts, (laughs) like, on someone's (laughs) private property. It was like, hey, I went to Disney and only got this shitty t-shirt level of disappointment. Um, they did donate them to museums, but I thought this was, like, a very interesting story because it, like shows a con or like a sensationalist con that was happening to like make money right if it was to sell the pamphlet or it could be real i don't know um i dug a little bit deeper and like they still haven't been solved so Hmm. he was writing in the 1800s version of wingdings (laughs) yeah Yeah. he's like i'm making pamphlet one in wingdings the second one, I'm just going to use the Declaration of Independence as a cipher. The Declaration of Independence for no reason. And then for the third, I'm going back to Wingdings because I can. Yeah. But then because people didn't have computers, they weren't able to, like, highlight the text and switch it over from Wingdings to Times New Roman. Uh, Times New Roman? <laughs> Yeah, it was that innkeeper that was just like, where's the Times New Roman on this bullshit? Yeah. yeah. But that's me. That's Megan's story. That's my I story. I mean, I won't lie. This is now added to my list of things uh, like the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum heist that once a year I will drive myself insane for 72 hours trying to solve. Um, so how, thank how you. How far have you gone? Oh, uh, we're not going to... like. I'm not, I'm not going to break out the board tonight, okay? <laughs> okay, yeah. Maybe some other time. Honestly, I would really enjoy an episode where we do it in person and Zach's just like, all right. I'm, Zach goes full Pepe Silvio I was about us. to say, uh, if we do that, it'll have to be a video because everyone will have to see me go full Pepe Silvia as I, like, sit it's there. It's literally like... just going to look like uh, whatever the fuck. What's the name of that series where people, like, watch movies but you can see the silhouettes of them as if you're at a movie theater Uh, oh mystery Mystery science Science theater Theater 3000 yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. it's gonna be like megan and i sitting in front of the camera staring at zach and the audience is just gonna be watching zach pepe sylvia all over the place (laughs) with us just like sitting in the front row nodding like what the fuck are you doing like i think i think he's starting to make sense (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh god and then we show up to some guy guy's apartment in southie being like where are the rembrandts where are the fucking rembrandts you piece of shit i don't know oh man oh, anyways man. zach why don't oh. you uh i just want to preface this with zach told us earlier that his story is a little bit spicy uh so if you have uh children with 
sensitivities to explicit language, why the fuck are they listening to this podcast? If you have children sensitive to light and um, flashing noises. <laughs> if you have children <laughs> sensitive to light and flashing, just throw it out and start again. <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah. We can always have more. Um, That's the historical way to think about it. To say. Speaking of history and fucking about. <laughs> <laughs> As if that's not what we're here for. I know, right? Uh, but anyway, on this podcast, we tend to talk about dead people quite a lot. And I personally like to talk about doing the nasty quite a lot. And now I know what you're thinking. But for once, this is not going to go in a direction that combines those twos into the horrid thing oh, that is necrophilia. Oh, fucking God. I was so nervous just now. No. I was so, you were like, I liked it. We talk about dead things. And then I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh, we do, as any podcast about history. Then you were Sometimes like, we do. you were like, and I talk about fucking. And I was like, he's going to talk about fucking dead things. <laughs> no, I'm going to save you from that tonight. Thank the Lord. Uh, in its stead, though, I do want to talk about one of our favorite authors. Uh, a lady so fair that she makes more than just monsters rise. I am talking about oh. Mary Shelley, of course. Hey! Hey-o! For, for those of you that don't know, the joke that Zach just made... See, I've found that jokes are very funny if you deconstruct them. The joke yeah, that Zach that just made... Found? Yeah. The joke that Zach just made is because Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein. Yeah. It's Frankenstein. Oh, well. It was a joke about... explained it. Rising from the dead and erections. Yes. <laughs> now that we have that out of the way, I spoke a little while back about Lord Byron and his friendship with Percy Shelley. Um, but the thing that really stuck out uh, there was, you know, the whole skull wine mug. But I bring this up again because it seemed that Byron was not the only spooky proto-goth that Mr. Percival liked to hang around. Um, his wife, my wife, um, my wife, was quite the spooky lady herself, uh, and was also a hardcore feminist. So the tale I'm about to tell is about... Let's, let's be honest, in her day and age, that was enough to make her spooky yeah, yeah, to that's most fair. men. You want equal rights? A feminist? She's like, I want the boat, and then a man dies. Uh, yeah, he has a he has a heart attack. He faints from the idea of women having any privilege at all. <laughs> it's true. They did. That's a fact, everyone. That's a historical fact. Men fainted at the thought of women having rights back in the day. And today, actually. We're going to um, get into go that. On, Zach. <laughs> so this is a tale all about how Shelley's life got flipped turned upside down. Are we going to get sued for that? No. Okay. Why would we no, get sued for so. that? He didn't, he didn't sing it. Oh, yeah. no. He spoke it. I spoke it. Rhythmically. Rhythmically. But anyway, so we have to actually start this story with Mary's mother. Uh, Mrs. Okay. Wollstonecraft. What Holy in the shit. fuck is that name? Uh, it's That's spelled W-O-L-L-S-T-O-N-E-C-R-A-F-T. Wollstonecraft. Mm, continue. It's a mouthful. No, continue. It is a mouthful, I know. Uh, but I have I'm, to... <laughs> I'm gonna name my son Wollstonecraft. <laughs> fuck, don't do that to the poor child. <laughs> we'll call Why, him, man? we'll call him Wally. 
<laughs> I hate it. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. I hate it. But so the problem is. So tell me about Wollstonecraft. Well, the problem. I'll is, tell you about Wollstonecraft later. The problem is, I have to refer to her as Wollstonecraft because, just to make things more confusing, Mary's mother is also named Mary. <laughs> oh my god! So I hate that there were two names in the past. I know, right? So, Mrs. Wollstonecraft was a phenomenal writer and a hardcore feminist in her own right. You can see where her daughter will eventually get more than just a name from her. Mama Mary, as I'm going to now playfully call her because it's less of a... Mama Mary. Because it's easier to say than Wollstonecraft? Yes. It's not as much fun, but it's a little bit easier. So, Mama Mary gets hitched to William Goodwin. Godwin, sorry. Um, there's only one O in that last name. Gets hitched to William Godwin. Uh, keeps her last name because fuck the name Godwin. And also out of necessity. Because you see, Mama Mary thought that the institution of marriage was absolute horse shit. Oh, damn. <laughs> fuck yeah. Interesting. But she hey, I... already had one daughter. And quite frankly, the prospects of women in the 18th century, especially single moms, was... Well, it was worse than it was today, or is today. Uh, not saying that today is much better, because, you know, it's not. But it at, ain't. at least, at least we don't pay fishermen to drag bodies of the single mothers out of the Thames because the suicide rate among them is so fucking high. So it's a little bit better. It's a little bit Just better. Just a little bit. <laughs> I digress, though, uh, because Mama Mary gets hitched, and a little while later, uh, Mary, the Frankenstein Mary, is born. Um, however, sadly, the beauty and wonder that is a new child is cut very short because 10 days after the birth of the smallest Mary, Mama Mary ends up dying. No! <laughs> yep. From childbed fever. Yep. Pretty, yeah, exactly. Maybe. It's like, all right, cool. Yay, I, baby. I assume. I'm dead. <laughs> um, yeah. So this wonderful feminist icon uh, that is... Mary the Older, dies and is the buried old. near the family home, as is tradition. And this is kind of where things pick up a little bit. Because this is what starts sending our young Mary down the, we'll call it gothic path. <laughs> <laughs> this is when Mary first starts putting on the dark eyeliner and <laughs> sitting up in dark her room eyeliner. and listening to nothing but My Chemical Romance. <laughs> Stop. Stop it. So, you see, Mary the Younger was a very smart person. Her mother was an author, an iconoclastic feminist, as I said, and her father was a philosopher and an author as well. Not really as cool as her mom, but you know what? You win some, you lose some. So she never had a lack of knowledge in her house, which was amazing. You know, that's a great environment to grow up in. But Mary chose to do most of her learning... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Next to her mother's gravestone. It was said that I mean, Mary first learned to read by tracing the letters on the headstone and was frequently caught later in life uh, simply reading next to her mother's grave. I mean, that's kind of I don't know. That's endearing. kind of nice. Yeah, absolutely. That's the endearing part of this story. Oh, that <laughs> means that there's a part of this story that's not endearing at all. <laughs> yup. And Damn. we're going to get to it. But it didn't take long for Mary to learn about her mother's past and the work that she did as this groundbreaking feminist. Um, so what is an angry, gothic, smart, and strong-willed woman to do? Uh, listen to more My Chemical Romance. No, it's why oh. why to fall in love with some waifish poet at the same time who's already married with a kid. <laughs> Wait, I changed my mind. Join the Black Parade. Join- that was a better answer. That's a better answer. I will take that answer, and also I will also semi-count that as correct, because okay. this is joining the Black Parade, because she falls in love with Percy Shelley. Now, at the time, Percy Not Shelley great. is already married and has a child. But Not great. Not, Not, great. Not a great start. Now, what I'm at the time of the story in question, um, which is the culmination of this whole insanity that I have gone through in talking about Mary Shelley's uh, interesting upbringing, Mary would have been about 16. So, again, very aware of her mother's legacy and very much a starting to become a tour de force in her own right. So, Mary continues to pursue this married man. And eventually woos him properly. And they, um... How do we put... How old was Percy... How old was he? A little too old for this to be okay. (laughs) Okay, that's what I thought. Again, married with a kid. I... What I really pictured, like, if this was on a shirt... It would be like Percy Shelley, like with the given like a peace sign, um, being like too old for this to be okay. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of people in history. <laughs> it really is. It really honest. is. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it's a concerning amount of people that are too old for it to be okay. Most of them, really. History is just full of people who should have said, "Nope, that's a bad idea." <laughs> no thank you not not now hamilton has an entire song about it <laughs> oh, oh yeah oh anyway, anyways let's get back anyways, on track here back. because this is where things get fun um to put it lightly they consummate their love uh to put it indelicately no. they that get fucking fucking yeah and better no better yet better yet Guess where they did the deed for the first time? On top of her mother's no. grave? You damn no. well know it. No, Zach, no. Mary Shelley getting her cheeks clapped by a married dude on top I, of her mother's grave. 
I don't know Stop, that we needed Zach, to do no. all that. I don't know that that needed to happen. Wait for it. Mary Shelley didn't need to do that in front of her wait, mom. Wait, but it's awesome. Because hear me out. Hear me out. This is wonderful for many reasons. One being... Is it? Hell yeah, Mary. Way to take it to the boneyard. I'll take a strike for that one. Oh, oh my god. My god. That's a strike. That's a thousand percent a strike. But second, and this is actually a serious reason... It is such a wild act of defiance to anything and everything. It is a middle finger to the fucking universe. And I think... Oh, I mean, it is. It is. But the best part is I think that Mama Mary would have been proud of Mary the Younger. Because this is the act of losing her virginity on her mother's grave dirt as the biggest fuck you to the idea of institutional marriage as she is fucking a married man. Okay. I mean, that... You know, it, that okay. It is When you put it that way, I'll take it. It is emo Mary Shelley being like, Ma, you proud of me? Go fuck yourself, patriarchy. Yeah, I'll I'll take that. So again, <sighs> I understand your initial like what the fuck. It comes across as pretty disrespectful <laughs> to be like, mm. I it wasn't the disrespect, it was more of like the cringe <sighs> of it. Yes. Like, you wouldn't do that in front of your living mother? No. <laughs> no. You don't know that. Uh, I... Mm, you don't know that I, she wouldn't have. You, yeah, this is true. Okay. Mom, are you proud she of me? Ne- I, she was never given the opportunity to do that. She, was she worked never with the gifts the she was given. <laughs> I am speaking for the day. Yes. Uh, and I should. Again, I can see it being disrespectful. I can see it being seen as, you know, something that's like, all right, you wouldn't do this in front of your living mother. But I'm calling bullshit on all that because it is anarchy. It is chaos. And it is awesome. If I ever have a kid, I give them right now full permission Ah, to give the middle finger to the patriarchy and institutional marriage by fucking on my grave. In fact, I encourage it. Okay. Okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. It's recorded. It's it's out there now. I uh, so I written. can't wait to go to Zach's funeral <laughs> and have and have a conversation with his progeny and just be like, "Hey, just want you to know that your father told me it was fully okay for you to fuck on top of his grave." I know you loved him very much. We've also become British in the course of, this, <laughs> of our lifetime. Somehow. Um, somehow. But uh, I am but yes. saying you can, but with the caveat that it must be to say fuck you to institutionalized marriage. <laughs> yeah, That's you fair. can and only then, fuck and... a married person. You can only fuck on my grave if it's for an anarchy cause. <laughs> Only anarchists. Only anarchists will allow it. (laughs) Only anarchists can bone down on my grave dirt. Dang, dude. Dang. Amen. Good for Mary. Right. But we all know she was such a pioneer. Right. Yeah. Exactly. She was. She. She just was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do what I want." (laughs) But we all know that later on, Percy and Mary end up married, and they have a lot of issues when it comes to having kids of their own. And honestly, the whole relationship is wild and bullshit and pretty just bad all around maybe we'll sell it in another episode (sighs) no i don't i don't want to talk about how shitty percy is (laughs) he doesn't deserve it uh for for all of you that don't know he was friends with lord byron we we covered covered this 
Yeah. We'll, uh, but if they didn't listen to that episode yet. Yeah, that's true. And Lord Byron wasn't great. Lord Byron wasn't great either. Hey, you're right, you're right. <laughs> when you're right, you're right. When you're right, you're right. What when do you you're want? Right, you're right. Wayfish English poets, they're not great. <laughs> Wayfish, but there's a really good song by um, Royal and the Serpent, and it's called uh, Fuck Boys, and it's like, you know, I really like skinny boys with blue eyes with just a little bit of makeup underneath them. <laughs> like, good looks, bad sex. <laughs> and I'm like, that's... You're just... Dis- I feel like that was the that was the crowd they were running Yeah, in. you're describing the English poets. I understand you. <laughs> yeah, I'm the dead poets. Yeah, like, the, you know? the sad boys. <laughs> oh, Captain, the sad my boys. Captain. The hashtag the sad boys. <sighs> Yeah, but that's <laughs> that's the sad hashtag the sad boys. That's that's my story about how Mary Shelley grew up in a very interesting, came from a very interesting lineage, and paid homage to that lineage by literally saying "fuck it." <laughs> Man, that's so. Good. That was a good story, Zach. I'm glad that you went with the spicy I, one. I, I had another spicy one, but it this was the better spicy one. That was oh, that's fair. that was so good and spicy. Dear listeners. Every so often we have technical difficulties when we record this podcast, and as such, we occasionally lose entire episodes. We have had this happen only twice so far in our history, but I bring you a story from a lost episode. So join me on this journey, and watch as my friends try to pretend they haven't heard this tale before. Alright guys, uh, my story tonight, uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about my favorite war's older brother. That's right, we're venturing back into the first of the world wars. <laughs> the war to Yay. end all wars. The war is so nice, they waged it twice. We're talking about World War One, baby. Do you think, so like, they were, everyone really had a hard-on for World War One. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like they went into it, they're like, we haven't had a good old war in a while. It was the war to end all wars. Yeah, no, 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 I, I, I get that. Um, I get the propaganda tagline, but... Uh, do you think, like, a month in, when it was starting to get real bad, do you think they were like, oh, I don't like it anymore, but we're too, we're too deep. It's sort of like when you start dating someone just to, like, see how it's going, but you're kind of too polite to call it off, and then you end up married. Yeah. Uh, no, so here's the thing. I, I, I know all about that. Yeah. <laughs> oof, <laughs> oof. Megan, to answer your question, I don't think that is the case, and this is going to be, it's going to sound like a cynical view on humanity no, in general. Uh, I wouldn't call it cynical, I just think it's how we are as people. I think humanity needs conflict, and as we are joking around saying, you know, we just needed a good old-fashioned war, let's like to shake off the rust, you know, that's that has been proven to be very true when it comes to humanity. Every now and then we're just like... I think we need to cause some chaos because we're bored. Um, well, so let's start a war. <laughs> I Honestly, I think that is definitely how humans work because, like, this is going to be a very... Um, eventually, this will be very dated where America's like, oh, my God, we pulled out of the Middle East. What are we going to do with all this army? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and not even talking about American philosophy, which American philosophy, as far as what we do with a fuck huge army, is 
insane anyway, and I'm, this is a history podcast, not a philosophy podcast, but, like, throughout our history as an entire race, like, even going back to when we were cave people, the whole idea of, uh, I mean, maybe we should just kill some things to feel better is kind of prominent, you know? Yeah, why don't we just commit violent acts? But go ahead, go ahead and uh, talk about. Oh, I can talk about my topic story. now. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, please, we got <laughs> a little right. bit deep for a minute. So, so I'm going to tell you guys tonight about a gentleman by the name of Henry Johnson. A any relation? Probably a. not. A no, because he is black and you are not. That is true. Um, so our guy Henry enlists in the 15th New York National Guard Regiment. New York. Okay. Uh, New York. New York. Ah, hey, hey, I'm walking here. Um, which was entirely made up of black troops. And oh. he did this in the year of our Lord 1917. You sounded okay. like you were saying something, Zach. Yeah, I was going to make another joke, but then you said something serious and I felt I would just undercut it. Oh, would you like to undercut it? Yeah. Fuck your war. Bing bang. (laughs) Stop it. So this group of um, soldiers gets renamed to the 369th Infantry Regiment once they get shipped off to France. Uh, The fact that they're all black is significant for several reasons, but the first reason is that America was, and still is, racist as fuck. Y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these men received subpar to zero training and were thus asked to do mostly menial tasks. Uh, so the men in the 369th were asked to unload ships, dig latrines and trenches, and basically just all the like labor tasks that the white folks didn't feel like doing. They gave him all the bitch Were work. Were you required to say white? I yes. was required like to that. say white like that because it adds a bit of a tang Flavor. to it, I think. Yeah. Uh, well, but it also you, drives you the have... point home that, you know, it's usually people that pronounce the word white like that that <laughs> treat people like this. Okay. Sorry, Bible Belt. Not sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sorry. So at a certain point... Really? We're really isolating uh, any and all fan bases. Um, but, we're, no. Yeah, no, we're we're spreading it all over the place. <laughs> so at a certain point, this group of men gets sent to help the French 4th Army. And this is where the second point about them being an entirely black regiment comes into play. Because the Americans intended for the French to consider the group of undertrained soldiers to be an insult. Uh, but this is the first time that uh, I'm sort of okay with the French because they didn't care about their race. Uh, they were just happy to have the troops. Fuck yeah. I mean, waiting. Uh, sounds yeah. like sounds like the Americans to be like, mm, I guess let's just, in the middle of a war, insult some people. It is the let's, French. In the so, middle of a war, mm. insult the French. We we always have time. We always have time to insult the French, as we do on this podcast as well. So, but go go France for once. Fuck yeah! Ha ha ha! We we baguette. <laughs> um, and there it goes. 
So we're gonna have no one who listens to this if we keep up our <laughs> So after joining up with the French, uh Henry is sent to Outpost twenty, which mm-hmm. is on the edge of the Argonne Forest. Um and his story becomes very interesting on May fourteenth in nineteen eighteen. Uh, when he and another soldier by the name of Needham Roberts are sent to sentry duty to cover midnight to 4 a.m. Johnson had made remarks leading up to their sentry duty that he thought it was crazy the French would send two undertrained men to be on sentry duty, but he went where he was commanded. Um, It's also important to note that he was trained just enough in French so that he could communicate effectively but not, like, super fluent in French. Could ask for a baguette, nothing else. He could ask for a baguette, perhaps a croissant, but beyond that, like, it was go there, follow, do this type shit. Shortly after uh, these two gentlemen's shifts started, uh, German sniper team started to fire on their position. And Johnson and Roberts uh, prepped some grenades to deal with the advancing German troops. As one does. As one does, as you would in this situation. Don't tell me you wouldn't until you're in that situation. Hopefully Mm. none of us have to do that. But around two in the morning, Johnson tells Roberts to run back to command and let them know that the German troops were cutting the perimeter fence. I was reading in my research that uh, Johnson described the noise to Roberts uh, as snipping and clipping. Snipping and clipping. Yeah, so the Germans were snipping and clipping the perimeter fence. So Robert starts running, and Johnson throws a grenade towards the noises of the uh, the wire cutters. And um, this caused the Germans to start firing towards his position, and the sound of the gunshots compelled Needham Roberts to return to help Johnson fight the Germans. Unfortunately, Roberts ends up getting hit by a grenade and is disabled, and is only able to help Johnson by laying down and handing him grenades. I so mean, essentially, go go on. That that does turn Johnson into a grenade machine gun, which sounds pretty fucking helpful at this point. Well, I mean, machine gun is probably a... (laughs) You know what I mean. How quickly Roberts was able to feed him grenades, I suppose. A Gatling gun. He's a Gatling gun of grenades. Grenade Gatling gun. But you know what I mean, though. It, it, It speeds up the process, and he doesn't have to fish around for grenades. He can just keep lobbing them, and that's pretty fucking helpful, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I I mean, I get your point for sure. Um, and this was like, he, he was just laying on his stomach and essentially just handing this guy uh, grenades. I can't remember from my research uh, which side of his body ended up being disabled, but I think it was uh, his right side, if I recall correctly, but I could be wrong. Please do not fact check me, I will cry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I am not afraid to cry at your criticism. Um, Johnson ends up using all of his grenades trying to stop the advance of these German troops. And for his trouble, he ends up catching a few bullets to the face, arms, and side. But he kept firing. Fuck yeah. 
Fuck yeah. He fired until he tried to load an American ammo cartridge into his French rifle. Oh, no. And that doesn't really work all that well. No. So... (laughs) I can tell you from personal experiences, Americans should not be inside the French. (laughs) (laughs) I'm done. I'm done. Zach, you gotta walk away. That's your third strike. That's your third strike. Worth it. Worth every minute. We will uh, we'll catch up with Zach at the end of the podcast to see how he thought the rest of the story went, but we're going to exile him now to an island of misfit toys. Um, so when All the right. gun Please jammed, continue. the Germans descended upon him. Just because they descended upon him doesn't mean that he stopped fighting. Instead, he started to use his gun as a club. <laughs> And he used his gun as a club until it splintered into pieces. And then when that happened, uh, he suffered a blow to his head that knocked him on his ass. But he looked up in his daze and noticed that the Germans were trying to take his buddy, uh, Roberts, as a prisoner of war. And he fought like hell to prevent that. Uh, He ended up stabbing lots and lots of people. Yep. And I hope with the shrapnel of his broken gun. Yeah, no, he had a, a belt knife, I believe. Uh, also cool. Um, so eventually, uh, the French and American troops came to scare the Germans off, and Johnson, in his exhaustion, passed out. Uh, but when he came to, Johnson had single ha- was informed that he had single-handedly held the line. He had managed to kill four Germans, all of those with uh, the knife, near the end of the skirmish when he was trying to protect Needham Roberts from being uh, dragged away as a prisoner of war. And he had managed to severely injure uh, 20 more, all while he himself sustained 21 severe injuries, ranging from gunshots to stab wounds. And he survived? Yeah, yeah, he survived. All right, um, did... They have the super serum yet? I I believe he was or... he was the first super serum soldier. Oh, okay, yeah. I just wanted to make sure on the timeline on our development. So, um, uh, Henry Roberts, or uh, sorry, Henry Johnson was asked about uh, his exploits, and he had this to say, which is, "There wasn't anything so fine about it. I just fought for my life. A rabbit would have done that." I'm. I mean, I don't think I don't think a rabbit would have thrown grenades like a Gatling gun. Yeah, like a rabbit would have been like, "I'm out of here." He wouldn't have been like, "Oh, let me see if I can defend home base." I'm almost a hundred percent sure that if a rabbit was in pursuit or like being pursued, it has like two tricks up its sleeve, and if it fails at both of those, it's just dead. Yeah, like what? What are its two? Hop, hop, hop fast, fast and, and hop bite. much faster. Oh yeah. Oh, it's I guess it has a third. Hop and then if, turbo like, hop. It, it can juke. It can like shift real quick. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're very, they're very quick on the turns. Yeah. So, um, for his act of bravery, Henry Johnson and Needham Roberts both get awarded France's top military honor, uh, the Croix de Guerre. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right because it's French and that just... 
Oh. Zach's gone. We can't. We can't. Yeah, no, we can't her. do this. Um, he really is the one that hammers against the French the most. Through the remainder of the war, Johnson's unit ended up earning themselves the nickname of the Harlem Hellcats. And upon returning home, Johnson was heralded as the Black Death uh, by people who had heard his story. So the story goes that he was in a parade uh, as he was coming back into New York and uh, people were standing on the side of the road calling him the Black Death. Henry Johnson died in 1929 and was buried in Arlington Cemetery with a full military send-off. And in 1996, Bill Clinton posthumously awarded Johnson a Purple Heart. And in 2001, after his grave was found in Arlington Cemetery, he was awarded the Distinguished Service Cross. What do you mean it was found? So, interestingly enough, either his grandson or his son wasn't sure that he had been buried in Arlington Cemetery. And so they went to check rep- records. Jesus Christ, stumbling over my words. They went to check records and they found a different Henry Johnson. And they thought oh. that it might be like they thought it was a different Henry Johnson. But then it turned out to actually be the Henry Johnson that I've described here. So there was like a momentary period where they were just like, yeah, I don't think that's the guy. And then... You know, I don't think that's. I don't think dad that's the guy. Grandpa. I don't think that's grandpa. Um, and then it turns out that it was, and they were like, "Oh no, it is the guy." Um, so yeah, they they found his uh, they found his plot and they honored him in two thousand one, uh, with the Distinguished Service Cross. And since we've come to the end of my story, we can bring Zach back in. That's oh hello. <laughs> oh, here he is. Shame. 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 I, I resisted all urges to uh, butt in uh, because yeah. I, uh, I, even though because I am that's... the god pharaoh, I am still bound by certain rules. That's how committed the to the bit we are. Yes, that the rules of the bit. <laughs> I need everyone in our listening audience to know that... This is the first time that we've ever actually enforced the strike rules, and it was it was an interesting experience. I I fully stand by all comments that I have made throughout this evening. I do not apologize oh, no, for anything. I also don't I, think that Zach would have gotten the strikes if it hadn't been for the one that he got for the ancient incantations that he said before the podcast. <laughs> that, that is, I would still only be on two if that was the case. Yeah. Yeah, so it really just begs the question, what were those ancient incantations? <laughs> I thought you were just um, going to end the, the podcast there, and I was like, wait, what? I really should have. I really should have. I really should have. Really that would have been great. It really begs the question. <laughs> uh, uh, should I Should I end the podcast like that? Should we cut all this audio and move no. just be like, it really begs the question. No, but uh, do you guys have anything else that you feel like talking about or any questions that you feel like asking? Um, I don't think so. I'm Zach, I'm, do you have anything that you want to add to my story since you're uh, yeah, playing you catch-up? I mean, I, I love the fact that... I mean, I don't love the fact that they had to figure out who the fuck's grave it was because that's, you know, 
kind of bullshit. They well, it wasn't digitized. Yeah, it wasn't thing. digitized, but even still, that's kind of a little besmirching, which Oh, I'm sorry. Me. We can know everything about ancient Egypt, but we can't figure out things that happened in World War exactly. I. Exactly. Uh, I know that we, you know, joked about Mary Shelley listening to My Chemical Romance, but, you know, technology just hadn't advanced beyond the CD. that's true okay fair enough but like no i'm glad that he was awarded you know him and military honors full military honors as he fucking earned it well especially in a time when america was far more racist than it is he said dripping with sarcasm (laughs) (laughs) well we've moved past all that yeah no no now we just openly support nazism Amen, I guess. <laughs> America. Uh, Hell yeah. Uh, but yeah. So no, anyways. Overall, I, I do really like that story, and I'm glad it, it got the happiest ending that it possibly could get. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, okay, well, if nobody else, if nobody else has any other questions, I'm going to finish this off by asking our listeners to get real, real close and listen. Listen for a question on the wind. What the fuck history? If you like what you hear from the Triumvirate Productions and What the Fuck History, we encourage you to tell a friend. We don't pay for any ads, so the best way to get us out there is to talk to other people about us. You can find us on Facebook at The Triumvirate Productions, on Twitter at triumvirate underscore pod, and on Instagram at the underscore triumvirate underscore productions. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 